Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Nationwide or worldwide, there will always be a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. Boost Mobile, everything you've always wanted in a mobile carrier. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Championship taste for lunch, dinner, or a pregame feast. Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com for all of your hockey needs on ice or in line. By OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products gets the funk out of your equipment or office. Visit us at OxyPow.com. UNLV Hockey, ACHA D1 Hockey, world-class city. By M-Drive, take our short quiz at mdriveformen.com and see which M-Drive fits your lifestyle. By Summer Skates, show off your team pride with shower shoes and koozies for the whole squad. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. By Burrito Express, six East Valley locations for great taste and great value. Go to burritoexpress.com to find the location near you. And by the University of Arizona Wildcats. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, uh, club hockey fans, uh, ACHA hockey fans, as we like to say. This is uh, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. And uh, Stephen Marsh joining me, my co-host as always, from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, how are you? Um, we're waiting for Stephen to get connected. Uh, we're not uh, totally connected yet with him, but we'll we'll get to him in just a minute. As I said, this is Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, we talk ACHA hockey primarily. Tonight we have a very special guest coming on, and I think I got my co-host. Stephen, how are you? This thing, is this thing working? Is this thing working? <laughs> yeah. That's a way to start season Can two. Can you hear uh, me now? <laughs> that's a way to start off season two. We're off to a great start here in season number two as we officially hit our second season of this show. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, 115 degrees. It's summertime here in the uh, the valley in the desert. There's still southwest. hockey going. There's still hockey going on too. The yeah, NHL I got it on my TV good. right next to me, so I can uh, I can see what's going on. It's still zero zero Montreal Tampa Bay uh, tonight. Stephen, we're not only going to talk club hockey, ACHA hockey, but we're going to talk to a uh, gold medal winning coach, multiple gold medals for uh, the head coach of the Team USA Paralympic or. Uh, I don't know if I call it Paralympic or, or SLED. I'm going to ask him because uh, when David Hoff comes on, he'll let me know for sure uh, what they prefer. But the SLED hockey team for Team USA that won the world championships, another gold medal for them. And uh, I've known David for a number of years from the beautiful city of Bontano, North Dakota, about as close as you can get to Canada without being in Canada. And, um, you know, uh, he's a high school teacher, athletic director, head hockey coach of the Bontano Braves and uh, also a gold medal winning coach for Team USA. So we're looking forward to having David on here in about 15 minutes or so. It's so appropriate, uh, too, because it's the, well, the Summer Olympics are later this month in, uh, in, over there in Tokyo. And, of course, the Winter Olympics will be next year. Of course, the Paralympics usually come right after the regular Olympics. So it's, uh, it's a good time to have, have uh, Mr. Hoff on and look forward to having him on and I've watched some. I've watched, uh, you know, I watch the Olympics. I, I'm avid watch Olympics. I do watch the Paralympics too. It's not as 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 aired as much as the regular Olympics is. And I have seen some of the sled hockey though. It's pretty amazing what they can do. These sled hockey players, uh, really the Paralympians in all those sports, but what they can do with you know, with the with the uh, with the limited mobility that some of these athletes have. But um, I, I, it's to me almost almost as impressive if not more impressive than the regular athletes not not to knock them but <laughs> yeah i hear you what well, they're able one, to do <laughs> one of the things that i mentioned to you uh, off air is that uh, we want to ask him uh, what it's like to coach that because when you're used to coaching um what do i say uh different hockey players you know that that don't have the disability um how much different is it or is it does there you know i mean that's some of the things that uh, we're going to ask uh, coach hoff when he comes on um, right now, though, we're still talking club hockey, and this time of year, it's always about schedules. The latest one just came out in ACHA WCHL land, and that would be the Missouri State Ice Bears. Um, so let's talk Ice Bears. What did you think of that schedule, Stephen, when you saw it? 
Yeah, I've just looked it over. It says you uh, alluded to me that it came out, so I've been looking it over the last uh, little bit in preparation for our show here at this time. And um, I, it's a good schedule for them. I mean, it's it's you know conference games in there. You've got uh, seems like a, about a balance of home and, and road games. Um, uh, they are going to play at uh, Lindenwood uh, in Lindenwood. That'll be tough tough games. They're going to play here in Vegas on uh, the end of October against UNLV. Those will be some uh, exciting games uh, as, they'll, as they'll make the trip out here to, to Las Vegas and play UNLV. I believe it will be the first time, obviously, as now they're in the, the same uh, league. And they'll have home and away with Colorado, obviously, Colorado State, who, who they're in that, that division, so to speak, on that at least that half of it. And, and uh, yeah, it should be should be a good schedule. But And uh, so that's, that's kind of my... Uh, impressions of it. Of course, they're going to have a parents' weekend on the October eighth and the 9th against the uh, Grand Canyon University Lopes. So that'll be fun too. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the coolest things is seeing some of the teams from the WCHL uh, West going a little bit farther to the east and playing them. And I know Danny and his guys over at GCU are looking forward to that trip because it's going to be a test for them, right? They get to play Maryville, they get to play uh, uh, Missouri State on that trip. So. That, that's always fun to see early in the year where your team stacks up. And uh, that's one of the things that, that we talk about all the time is um, being relevant, right? And I think, um, man, I, I'm just so proud of our uh, ACHA teams here in the Southwest because all the way through the pandemic, everybody stayed relevant, right? They, they all kept trying to do different things. And not only stay relevant from Missouri State, they actually did get to play a season, at least, you know, a uh, they did get to get games in this year and and go to the uh, ACHA tournament. So it'll be interesting to see how how they'll how they do having that if they had any, any sort of leg up, being able to play a, a season, well half a season, or however long they got to play. I think they didn't get to play till January, but they still got some games in and they got to go to the ACHA tournament. and And now we're going to have this this full ACHA season and against a lot of these some of these other teams in the in the league and the, that didn't get to play a season, but st- st- still trying to stay in shape and, and we'll see, we'll see how that fares. We'll see if that gives Missouri state any sort of an upper hand um, as they've already, as I said, got to play last season when some of these other teams did not. Well, we know one thing, uh, the competition level has increased dramatically here in the Southwest and in the WCHL and uh, commissioner Chris Perry's told us a number of times that he thinks his uh, league is going to be, if not the best, um, one of the best or competitive wise and whoever gets out of there and ends up in the national tournament. And we suspect it'll be more than two or three. It might even be four um, teams that come from the WCHL that they will represent well in the national tournament. So um, as that saying goes, a high tide raises all ships and that's definitely happened here out West. Yeah. I mean, we've said it before. Yeah, you're right. And we've said it before too. I mean, this, this league is good and, and having these teams come in in UNLV and Grand Canyon and in Utah, being able to join in and and make this league even better than it already was, and and setting up this sort of two five team West and an East sort of thing, and cuts down on the travel too, which I know the teams will 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 appreciate more and and more of a balance there. Um, so that that's going to be cool, and 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 now you're going to be playing more teams than your you're going to play playing more uh, conference games, so to speak, or league games, but um, that's still going to be very good, tough competition. And we've seen in the past these t- multiple teams from this league make the uh, ACHA tournament, and I-, I would imagine that will that will certainly take place again this year. Uh, we'll see two, if not three or more, teams in that field next March. Okay, well, we know a couple of things. We know the schedule is out for UNLV. We've got that up on our website. We're working on Missouri State's right now. Uh, I'm sure the rest of them will be coming rather quickly down the uh, the pike, if you will, because um, it, it's time, right? I mean, it's time to start making those trips and those plans and the schedules, and your guys want to know when they're going to be on campus. I know GCU has posted their schedule about tryouts and everything, so it's getting close. I mean, it's July right now, so... Uh, you and know, GCU, the end of August. And GCU, we know there's their schedule too, in a way, and in, in in regards to we know what games are going to have at home and what right. games are going to have away, who they're playing. We don't know date all the dates yet of that, but that they've put that out there. And as you mentioned, uh, UNLV has their schedule out. Uh, we talked with Utah's 
um, AJ Bolden a few couple weeks ago, and he kind of gave us a couple of hints there, at least their first couple of games and when that's going to be, and 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 at least gave us some insight on their schedule. So yeah, we're st- we're starting to kind of the puzzle starting to come together, and hopefully within the next month or so, the puzzle will be put together, and then well, we'll have more let, of an outline. Let me of- tell you, when that puzzle is put together, you and I are going to be busy because there's a lot of hockey going on, and that's going to be quite a schedule we're going to have to keep track of and and bring to the people every Wednesday night all the updates and things like that. So we look forward to that. Uh, one other thing, uh, and then we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with our special guest tonight. But uh, one other thing I did want to mention, we are on a drive to get 10,000 followers on our Twitter accounts. It started today. Uh, I sent out some stuff. We're asking people to just follow us. When we get to 10,000, we've got some really good hockey prizes coming up from a couple of our sponsors. I'm not going to mention it yet because we're way too far away, but – Let's accelerate it. Anybody that is a follower, when we hit 10,000, well, their name will go into a drawing, and uh, we'll give them some really great prizes. So if you're not following us, at A-C-H-A underscore I-T-H-S-W on Twitter, get there and follow. Make sure you stay following because uh, we're hoping October 1 is my goal, Stephen. So we're hoping by October 1 we've got 10,000 followers and we can start giving away some really good hockey stuff. What do you think of that? Well, as I texted you before the show, I've just kind of been catching up on this that you've been doing, and it's a very ambitious goal that you've set, 10,000 followers. That's a lot of followers on, on any social media platform. Uh, but then you counted back and said that it's 1,000 for each of our teams. So when you put it in that context, Scott, it, really, it doesn't really seem like it's a, too far reach of a, of a goal. If, if we have a, each of these different teams has their following, and, and you look at all of their Twitter accounts, they're all around that 1,000 mark. So if each of their – of those teams, people that follow the, their teams, if they want to hop on on and follow us, I think we can get to that 10,000. So I, at first I was like, whoa, that's very ambitious. But then when you mentioned about the teams and breaking it down that way, it's very attainable. So hopefully people can, can help us out with that. Well, we're going to jump on it and get moving on it. Let's take a quick break, Stephen. Let's and, come back and, and introduce credit our, to, uh, our special guest. U- University of Arizona already uh, jumped in. And I, I, as you said, you yeah, well, they were the Chad first Berman. one I asked. So, so let's not go too crazy on that. <laughs> well, I'm sure Paul would love uh, us to Bur- give us praise. <laughs> Paul Horst would love to give us praise of Arizona. I know how much he loves when we get to talk about Arizona and uh, and praise them for what they yeah, do and but, stuff. So. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Uh, Coach Berman would be the first one I would call because he'd be the first one that would say yes. So uh, thanks, Chad, and, and everybody did, and, and their Twitter, for jumping on board. And their Twitter account has put it out there, so thanks to them for doing that. And, and like I said, hopefully we're already we seeing some benefits of it. Some of the guys are following us. So this is the place to be if you want to see uh, ACHA hockey coverage in the Southwest and pretty much all of uh, the southern half of the United States almost now. <laughs> we're already to Missouri. So, um, okay, let's take a quick break and let's come back and bring on the uh, gold medal winning head coach of the uh, U.S. sled hockey team, the uh, Paralympic team, uh, David Hoff, with us in about three minutes. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more thirsty after getting off the ice our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat comfortable and durable show up to the rink in style an authorized retailer of summer skates you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com Hi, everybody. This is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and and your gym and all that stuff. Um, In in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, It is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. Hey. 
I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. You're listening to Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right. Welcome back in, hockey fans. This is Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, as always, Stephen Marsh from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. And, Stephen, as I told you, this is uh, reunion time for me because uh, our special guest tonight is not only the head coach of the uh, uh, Paralympic team for USA Hockey Team USA, the gold medal winners again, um, but also – an old acquaintance of mine from way back, uh, geez, 2006, 2005 era, back in North Dakota, David Hawk. David, how are you? Scott, I'm doing well. It's uh, it's good to talk to you here. I was able to get on and listen to you a little bit. And once I heard the voice, it was it took me right back to 2005, 2006. So nice <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. It, it is all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a long time, my friend. And man, oh, man, the success that you've had um, at, at the national level. And uh, I know what you did in North Dakota with the Botano Braves and some of the talent you produced there. Um, so before we go any farther, tell our listeners here in the Southwest just a little bit about uh, Botano, North Dakota, the hockey up there, and then we'll jump into the Team USA stuff. Yeah, we got a we got a good trio going here tonight. I hear Scottsdale, Arizona, Las Vegas area, and then Botano, North Dakota is uh, way up on the Canadian border. But uh, you know, I started out coaching high school hockey back in 1989. Um, spent 30 years as a teacher right here in Botano, North Dakota, and. Uh, high school coach, athletic director, small school of about, uh, well, community that is about 2,000 to 2,500 people, but uh, uh, just uh, right on the Canadian border. So I guess it's uh, as close to hockey area as you could be, but uh, just uh, fell in love with the sport and, and wanted to coach. And I guess that's kind of where it, it led me to. And then I guess uh, somewhere along the line, I, I felt I had an opportunity with sled hockey, but really spent the majority of my time as a, as a high school coach here in North Dakota. Okay, we're going to let Stephen jump in in just a minute, uh, I promise. But, uh, David, that was, that was going to be my first question. Uh, sled hockey, is that what you like to call this? Is that what the, the, the Olympians and the world championship players, is that what they like to be called or the Paralympics uh, something different? Yeah, it's uh, it depends on what country you're in and, and what it is. There's a push now to, to call it para hockey. Um, I, I guess we in, in the U.S. have really – just kind of gone with the, the phrase sled hockey um, simply because what the guys are in resembles a sled. And I think that's just how it's been, but uh, we get, we, we do definitely get different names depending on where we're at in the world. And speaking of the world, you just came back with another gold medal. What was it? Uh, Saturday night, the 26th of June. So you haven't been back in the States probably very long to, uh, no. to celebrate all this, but tell us about that being in the Czech Republic and what it was like to, uh, you know, you look at what you did, and I happened to see a couple of the games, so um, I'm familiar with it. But um, a one-two-three shutouts, and then a five-one win for the gold medal over Canada. How yeah. good is your team? Yeah, it's a it's a group of guys that I'm really fortunate to be a part of. I I mean, I, I can't take any of the credit on this. Uh, we have an outstanding group of young men, um, just very talented and very driven um, guys that are definitely elite athletes and. Uh, I, I'm just lucky to be in the spot I, I'm in right now. Just uh, I'm the next coach in line, I guess. If you go back a couple, it was Jeff Sauer, and then it was Guy Goslin. A couple of guys that are just outstanding people, and they were outstanding coaches. And I, I'm the guy now who gets to push the ship or keep pushing the ship in the direction they, they have it going. But uh, Czech Republic was great. Uh, after not having played since uh, February of 2020, um, we finally got to have some camps leading up to it in March, April, May, and early June, and then got to go over to the Czech Republic and actually compete and really got went there having not played an actual game since February of 2020. So maybe a little rusty to start, but uh, I guess uh, we just said after day one, own our performance and let's get better each day. And 
I, I definitely thought we did. And the last game was the best one we'd played. So it was nice to finish that way. Okay, Stephen, fire away. Yeah, so, David, let me ask you this. Uh, we, we, we are very familiar with hockey, and we, we, we know how hockey is played. And, and I have seen some sled hockey in the Paralympics. I've, I've watched a little bit of it. Um, so tell, tell the folks, tell our listeners exactly what the, what the biggest difference in co- for you as a coach, coaching a regular hockey team and, the, and a sled hockey team. I mean, there's obviously some glaring differences, but from yeah. the coaching perspective, what are some of those? You know, it's interesting. Yeah, I said I was just uh, downtown and talked to it, ran into a former player, and he asked me, he said, do you do the same things that, that we did, you know, say in a high school practice or a college practice, whatever? And, and the answer is absolutely yes. Um, the biggest difference would be that uh, you, you don't skate backwards in sled hockey. So defensemen have to defend. They defend a two-on-one um, looking over their shoulder. And that, it makes it really, really tough. You know, you, you've got to be skating forward in the same direction that the, the two offensive players are skating, and you're constantly just checking shoulder. And not quite as easy as a defenseman in, in stand-up hockey has where you're able to see what's coming at you. But that's probably the biggest difference, along with um, in stand-up hockey, uh, I, I'll say defensively, if you lose position, you can stop and start and get back. And that's not as easy to do in sled hockey. So your sled may have to make a tight loop and you may lose defensive positioning for a short period of time and trying to gain that back is the other part of it. But uh, really it's the skating backwards and just not being able to stop and start quite the way an an able-bodied person is able to do in stand-up hockey. David, tell us a little bit about the equipment because uh, we all see those sleds, and, man, the guys know how to maneuver those, and I know that takes some effort and some some practice, probably lots more practice than we can even imagine. But uh, are there different types of sleds or blades or different things, or is it pretty much a standard style? Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting too because the sled probably depends, not probably does depend on, on your disability. Um, are, are you someone that has two legs? Are you someone that's a single amp or are you, or a double amp where that's going to control probably the length of your sled. Um, we have, we have several guys who are double amps and so their sled, the front of their sled is very short. Um, I liken it to a sports car that can maneuver very well. If you've got that short sled, these guys can turn and switch directions very, very quickly. Um, and then opposed to our guys who uh, have a leg or have both legs, but have some sort of disability with that, um, it's kind of like that big car that just drives real nice down the road, but maybe doesn't turn quite as sharp. And, uh, but it also, you're able to defend a little bit better if you've got legs in front of you, uh, makes it a little bit tougher um, if you've got a smaller sled and those types of things. So it, it's a very unique sport in that um, the type of player that's on the ice changes with every shift and, and, and how that player has to play based on their disability changes. So the, the other part I guess I would mention just when you ask about the sleds is, um, there, there's two blades underneath that are just like the blades that you'd see in a skate, basically. Um, and how close guys put those together, um, obviously wider apart is going to make you more stable, but you don't turn very well. And closer together with those two blades is going to make allow you to turn a lot better, but you're going to lose some of that stability. So it's finding that that what's right for each player in terms of stability and maneuverability in terms of how close your blades are. Okay, let me follow that one up with, um, you led me right into this one, but yeah. you must have one heck of a training staff and equipment guy uh, to be able to fit those players to play at the level that they play at because it, it, it's an incredible high-speed game on uh, uh, very close to the ice surface. Yeah. You know, it's got, I got I to gotta say that going back to 2005, 2006, when, when you were up here in North Dakota, um, I drove the bus. I sharpened the skates. I was probably the trainer because we didn't have one. I did all those things. And like, I, I think I have the best job ever because now with this national team, we have a staff that does all of those things from our general manager to our trainer, to our equipment manager, to our doctor. Um, they handle all of those things. And uh, yeah, it's definitely, again, each guy's disability, our medical staff deals with that because it, it, if someone, I'll take one of our military guys, for instance, if someone lost legs over in Afghanistan, they might also have an issue with a hand on the right side or something like that. So there might be some sort of grip issue. And so our medical staff, trainer, doctor, they deal with a lot of those issues along with our equipment guy, because there's, there might be some modifications that they can do that can make some of those things um, a little bit better for the players out there, a little easier to grab a stick or whatever happens to be the case. All right, Stephen, it's all yours. All right. Let me, let me ask this because, uh, being being able to go to uh, the last Paralympics in the site where, of course, the last Olympics were, and 
over there in uh, in Russia, I believe it was. And um, what is it like being there? I mean, just I mean, you're the, you're there after the the regular Olympians are there, and then the Paralympians come in, and they have a chance to compete. But you're in a lot of the same facilities, and and obviously everything's set up the same way that it is for the regular Olympics. So what is it just like being there? In, in the Olympic atmosphere when you're there for the Paralympics, just be, being there just after a month or so after the regular Olympians are sure. there and being able to compete. Sure. And and I'm going to, I'm going to start out with something just for your listeners here too, because you mentioned both of you have said the Paralympics and uh, something I learned early on when I, when I became part of this team is that the para, I think a lot of us might associate that with paraplegic or something like that. The para actually comes for a parallel Olympics for people with disabilities. And so the para that's out in front of that Olympics part really is the parallel path. And uh, so the fact that we do come in there now, it comes, we come right after the, the Olympics um, simply because it's, it's growing so much. The, the Paralympics have and all of the events go on there, but what's it like in the village? It's an incredible uh, opportunity uh, just, just to be there. Um, all of the athletes from around the world, you walk to the cafeteria, uh, which when we were in Pyeongchang in South Korea was just a huge facility. You can eat food from all over the world, but just seeing the different people from all the different countries walk in, you see the jackets from Russia or, or the Ukraine, or you see the Norwegian cross-country skiers and biathlete, biathletes come in. Um, when we were in Pyeongchang, I thought one of the biggest things for all of the countries was seeing the North Koreans come in. Um, North Korea actually, if you remember, uh, competed with South Korea in the regular Olympics, but for the Paralympics, North Korea came by themselves. And so to see them come in, People just like you and I, um, although our, our governments obviously have a lot of differences and things that they have to work out, but uh, people just like you and I that were there trying to compete and do well in their sport. So really a great opportunity. There's a lot of social things go on. Ultimately, it's trying to stay in the day each day and prepare and try to play your best when it comes that time in the, in the, the Paralympic Games. I want to bounce back, David, to, to the goaltending side of things because that's a little different too, obviously. But yeah. uh, for you guys to produce – three shutouts and then uh, one goal in the uh, gold medal game. Uh, how talented and how skilled are those goaltenders to be able to keep the puck out? Yeah. I, I wish you guys could come with me to a practice one time and just see, because I, if I, if I had you out there and said, shoot a few pucks, I think your first instinct would be to back off just a little bit, you know, and say, well, I, I better not shoot it that hard. And um, our, our two goaltenders are two of the best in the world and their hands are so quick. Um, realize that it, with their blocker and their glove, um, they have track spikes on the bottom of those. So if they close their glove, they've glued the the, the plate from a, a, a sprinter spike on the bottom, and they've got those little spikes. Um, for our goaltenders, their movement comes from their hands. So those spikes provide the opportunity for them to thrust one way or the other. But then you got to realize your hands are down on the ice at that point, and now you've got to make a glove save you know, in the top corner. And it's just amazing um, the athlete athleticism of these guys and just how talented they are. So I think you would really enjoy seeing um, our guys and just how they defend the net. Next time you have a camp, count me in. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Because <laughs> I would love to be there. I'm headed up to uh, to Michigan, David, to uh, to see the uh, the summer showcase, and looking forward to seeing some of those guys for the uh, the twenty. 22 yeah, yeah. i guess 21 22 team um so i'm looking forward to that but yeah i would absolutely love to do that so do you guys hold your camps in different places or or where do you hold camps for and how many guys do you uh do you go through to get down to the number that that uh makes the official roster yeah that's a good question we do hold camps all over the country um just uh wherever it happens to be charlotte uh, north carolina is a place that's been really good to us um tom logano uh, Mike Mulhall out there in their arena of just they've they've been good to sled hockey before maybe a lot of others were and but we're in St. Louis we spend a lot of time in Nashville now because we have quite a few guys living in that area but uh, the second part you're asking just a little bit about getting to that number of 17 players um, we'll have a actually <laughs> I've got to head out here in a couple of days uh, we've got a camp for some youth across the country in Voorhees New Jersey for about five days and then our national team players are going to come in for about four days at the end of that and we'll have an identification camp where we look to probably identify 23 to 25 guys um, that will come back in the fall um, out of those probably 60 to 70 guys that come in initially um, here this in, in a, I guess about 10 days, we'll whittle that down to about 25, I'll say. And then in September, we'll get that 25 number down to 17, which is the number that we can carry. So um, it, it's really become competitive in this country. 
Um, USA, USA Hockey's put a lot of resources into this, and they've really tried to grow it at the grassroots level, and that's really benefiting us right now. Steven, fire wipe. Yeah, so David, kind of following back with the, uh, the experience of being there in, in the Olympic side, and and uh, I said Russia, but it was in you're right. Pyeongchang was the last Winter Olympics. But what what is it like just wearing the red, white, and blue when you're there and you're in that ceremony there? Because I think you guys still have an, like an opening and a closing ceremony, yep. and you participate in all that. What is that like too? Just maybe share a little insight on on just being able to re- represent Team USA in in the Paralympics there in, in as you said with your team there. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, this is kind of a cool story for me because we joked a little bit about where the three of us are from, and I'm from a small town, you know, USA, Bottom of North Dakota. But uh, probably one of the biggest memories for me was in uh, Pyeongchang was the opening ceremonies, and they line you up in some big, large, temporary buildings, and then alphabetically, and then they start filing you out, and you're headed towards a stadium that has thirty-five thousand people in it, and you go through the same opening ceremonies that they did really for the. Uh, you know, the, the Olympic side of things. And I just remember we were basically entering the stadium and you had to walk up this ramp. And at that point you were walking the path and the cameras were on you and that whole part. And I remember them saying, ladies and gentlemen, the United States of America, and I'm walking up that path and I'm thinking to myself, how did I get here? You know, uh, and Scott can probably relate to it because he knows I'm from a small town here. But uh, I can from a guy relate. That, yeah, from a guy that was, like I said, I joke about I drove the bus, I coached the team, I sharpened the skates, I had all those things that I got to do. And here I was and I was able to be part of that. It was just, for me, it was an incredible opportunity. And I, I, I tell myself I can't get to the point where I think I made it because there's a lot of other people who would probably love to do what I'm doing. But uh, I'm having a lot of fun of doing it. And I'm going to keep trying it as hard as I can to keep doing this job. Well, I mean, David, I could have told you in 2005, 2006, when I first met you, that um, you were destined for for great things because of your work ethic. Uh, I saw it right away. And the other thing that I'll always commend you on is you always took time for us media guys, uh, even if it was a a time that you didn't want to, you maybe didn't want to do it. Uh, you always took time for us, and I will always uh, be appreciative for that. Uh, it's great down here in the Southwest because uh, we're, we're starting to really grow hockey again, and the same types of things, and I bring back stuff from North Dakota down here, uh, and I compare things, right? I mean, uh, there's a game in the works right now, David. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, UND and uh, ASU may very well be playing in Las Vegas mm-hmm. next year at Christmas time, uh, and that I think is the ultimate turn of of events as far as the growth of hockey down here. So, totally with you on that. Um, yeah. I want to get back to the training part of this, though, because. Uh, these guys, as you said, are, are world-class athletes. Um, what kind of training re- regimen do these guys go through uh, in preparing to uh, to go into these games, whether it be a world championship or a Paralympics? Yeah, it's it's no different than any other elite athlete. Uh, the biggest difference would be is the mode of transportation for our for our players is their shoulders. Where you and I get around with our lower body and our our legs and things like that, obviously quite a few of our guys don't have that, but even then when they're in the sled, their mode of transportation is using their arms, you know, and, and the short sticks they have with the picks on them to move around. So it's, it's really a lot to do with their shoulders. Um, but I think just like anything else, it's become a lot more sports specific and it's become a lot more specific to the shift length. We want to go hard for a minute. So, okay, how do we train that way? And I think that's where our guys have really done a, a great job. Um, is trying to be specific with that. But that also goes back to our training staff that uh, that we have that now is, even though they're on the volunteer side of the world, um, it's becoming more and more involved in terms of training our guys that way. So, All right. I got one more on that because uh, I asked you to come on Sunday on the 4th of July because I thought red, white, and blue, 4th of July, whatever. And you said, hey, I'd, I'd love to, but I can't because uh, we have one of our guys getting some national TV attention. Tell us about that. Yeah, I don't. If you're if you're at all involved, or if you heard of Bobby uh, Bones, the country music radio, absolutely, uh, guy, he's, he's got the show uh, Breaking Bobby Bones, and uh, he featured one of our players, Ralph D. Quebec, uh, Marine, um, who lost both legs over in Afghanistan, and uh, he went out and played sled hockey with Ralph and a few of the guys from the Denver area, and uh, it was on there, and I, we we all wanted to, wanted to see it. Ralph is just uh, Ralph is a Marine's Marine. Uh, He's a very quiet man, but uh, he, he's the guy that I guess if you all talk, we all talk about in hockey, one of those tough guys that brings his shoulder pads every day too. And when you get done playing against him, you know you played against him. And uh, it was really cool to see Ralph get that recognition and, and Bobby Bones to feature him on uh, 
on July 4th. So uh, cool for cool for Ralph and certainly a man that definitely deserves uh, that little recognition that he got that night. All right, Stephen, you got another one? I do. I want to kind of I want to kind of switch it to the ACHA, which is what the focus of our show is here on Wednesdays. And and you graduated from uh, Minot State. I won't say the year, but you graduated from Minot <laughs> State a few years years ago. And and you know, obviously Minot State has a pretty good ACHA uh, program. Um, I don't right. know how much you follow them or how much you you follow that them at that level or, or this level of hockey. But um, maybe just what is it like being in in Minot State? And, and and maybe if you've had a chance to see the team and and how good the hockey is there and. And, and how good the hockey at the ACHA level is just maybe from what you've seen. Sure. No, what I'll say is uh, you mentioned not sharing when I was there. I, I was at Minot State in the 80s, and at that time uh, there was junior hockey in Minot, North Dakota, but there wasn't hockey at Minot State. And uh, really hockey had not made a lot of inroads in North Dakota into the college level other than the University of North Dakota and then the junior college in the small town here in Botno, uh, Dakota College of Botno. It was NDSU Botno at the time. And that was really the only two places that you could play college hockey in North Dakota. And uh, Minot State stepped up. Uh, they've got a real good hockey following in that community. And there were some of the people in that area said, we think we can make this work. And it's really been cool just to see it grow. And I say that as a guy who now um, isn't coaching high school hockey, but had some some players that went on and played junior hockey. And then they were able to go back and, uh, you know, play some play club hockey. And they absolutely enjoyed their experience at Minot State. Uh uh, one of them won a national championship here a couple of years ago with Minot State. And uh, just really, it, it, I think it's just so good for the kids in our state to have other opportunities because now Minot State has spurred on, you know, the University of Mary and Williston State and Jamestown and all of those in the state of North Dakota that have now joined the ACHA. And that's just been great for hockey in this state. So um, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys do this podcast because uh, the ACHA really is great for hockey across this country. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And uh, I'll give you a little insight, uh, David. When I started this six years ago, um, uh, I went to to UNLV and was scouting their program and finding out if they had interest in, in being a part of what we wanted to do. And, and, and they were ecstatic. And then they introduced me to two guys from Sweden. And um, I was sitting down visiting with them. I said, you know, tell me a little bit about your background. They go, well, we played hockey up in Botano for Travis Rubczynski. <laughs> and I yep. just about fell off my stool because <laughs> yep. they were just coming off a national championship. Um, and I told, uh, I told Travis, I said, man, oh man, from Botano to Vegas, what a trip. Why are you still there? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so when I was trying to get in touch with you, I didn't have your number. And I was trying to figure out how to get a hold of you. But I reached out to him and he's the one that gave me your email. So when you see yeah. him, you can either thank him or, or poke him, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, I remember the trips up there and the hockey that was played. And a lot of people don't know, um, a, a pretty big NHL turned out to be an NHL star, D, uh, Dustin Penner went through the uh, the Lumberjack program up there, and I'm sure you remember uh, his stardom in the NHL. Absolutely, and uh, his second year um, at the junior college up here uh, was Travis's first year. So Travis started out with a guy at that time was a kind of a tall, gangly, growing young man. Um, I, I, I remember I was on the ice with him a few times that year, and uh, a kid who very, very good hand skills, but probably his feet just had to grow into, had to catch up to his body in terms of just, he'd, he'd grown a lot at that age, you know, 18, 19 year old kid. But uh, yeah, it turned out to have an awfully good NHL career. Travis always tells me the story, David, about uh, when Dustin came in, it was like on a Friday afternoon on deadline day to sign right. and, and get in the, get in the program. And what a deal that was. If you're a, a first or second year head coach, you had to love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I think he says that, that that's, that was the case that uh, he tried every other option he had and it turned out that Botna was the best option he had. It was just, it was at the last time to get there. So, yeah. Okay. So, so let's jump back into, uh, into USA hockey. Tell everybody how you got involved with USA hockey. Cause I can remember you at coaching seminars and, and uh, you know, I did referee seminars up there as well in North Dakota and, uh, so how does a guy from Botano get tied in and, and get a job like you got at USA Hockey? Because I'm sure it just didn't happen overnight, did it? No, I uh, I actually continue to do a lot of coaching clinics. I'm the, the coach-in-chief for the Northern Plains District, which includes North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and Wyoming. So basically, I oversee all of the coaching education in the big rural area of, of the United States. And uh, that's really where I started. I guess it was probably my education background that got me involved in that. And uh, 
somewhere along the line in 2011, I got an email asking me if I would help out at a disabled camp that they were having. And I had no idea in 2011 what sled hockey really was. I mean, I'd heard of it, but I'd never been on the ice with them. And uh, I went there and worked with Jeff Sowers. I mentioned earlier, uh, was retired from the University of Wisconsin, and he really was devoted to sled hockey and absolutely loved that camp and uh, got to spend seven years, uh, seven summers with Coach Sauer working that camp. And uh, we, it was just one of my favorite times the whole year. But uh, that's really where it started was back in the coaching education side and then just a, a random email that asked me to be part of a sled hockey camp. And from there, I never dreamed I'd be the coach in the national team at some point. So. Okay, and I got one more. And then, Stephen, if you got one more for Coach Stu, you can throw it in there. But um, So the proximity of Botano to, to Canada, we all know. I mean, if you look on a map, you know how yeah. close that is. So you go to a gold medal game, USA versus Canada. Um, what, what's the feelings for you as a coach? Uh, it's, it's really – I mean, I'm, I'm so – devoted i guess uh the, the the united states is is such a big deal having been around this program and just seeing what our guys put in but uh also just i i work on the coaching ed side with some guys across the border in manitoba that are really good friends but i think they've been nothing but happy for us and they think it's cool to see a guy from rural united states is no different than rural manitoba that's getting a chance to do well with things so i'm um, really positive there but uh, I'll, I'll say this, another thing, you know, I mentioned walking in at the uh, Paralympic Games and the opening ceremonies, but anytime you win a game in an international competition and your, your national anthem plays at the end because you've won that game, it's one of the coolest feelings ever. And just to, to earn that national anthem being played, I guess, and to be played in the last game is obviously the greatest part of it, but it's just a really cool feeling. All right, Stephen, one, uh, one more for you and then I'll wrap it up. Okay, I'll... I'm going to kind of switch it to to this since uh, since you you know Scott from from the time that you both were there in that area. Maybe do you have any Scott Strandy stories you could share from your uh, encounters with Scott that you could share with our listeners? Because we 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 get to we get Scott always asks the questions, but we never get to really get deep into the into the life of Scott. So do you have any Scott uh, stories you, you can share with us? Well, I'm I'm going to give a good one here, and I wish. I wish I'd have known you were going to ask this because oh, I should have. Oh, I, I love it. Dug I love it. Here we go. <laughs> you ready no, for this, Scott? This is, this, is, this is good on his part, but uh, I should have dug through my stuff here. But uh, Scott did something that was cool that had never been done. I, I, I was around high school hockey longer than anyone in the state for 30 years. And uh, he started putting together a, a little bit of a, I'll say, a magazine that went out. And that was, uh, it, it just was such a positive thing for kids in, our, in the state that all of a sudden someone was putting something out that was relevant and was related to, you know, hockey in the state and things like that. So uh, props to him. And I guess maybe it wasn't the dirt that you were looking for when you asked that question, but uh, <laughs> it was something that was really cool for kids. That was really cool for kids in this, uh, in this state as far as hockey. So, yeah. Well, yeah, Scott, that, you that, got, you got off, you got off on that one, Scott, <laughs> but that's really that, cool. That's really cool. Good, good job. But Stephen, that that kind of dates us both because uh, that was back when the internet was there, but it wasn't prevalent <laughs> like it is now. And David, if I come up with paper now, people want to just uh, run me out of town because they don't want right. to see any paper being used. Use everything electronic. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you're probably writing it. That that probably transitioned to some internet things, but really, it was just so positive to see kids would read something like that, and they got to read about maybe their team or whatever it was. That was really cool. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. That was uh, that was an awful lot of fun. Um, so right now we're in in the podcasting business, and uh, we do a website as well. But I travel around. But I want to share this story with you. Uh, on April fifth, I left here in Scottsdale, David, and I drove seven thousand six hundred and sixty-two miles from April fifth till May fifth. Uh, I did it for two reasons. I wanted to brand our product, and I also wanted to see the level of hockey. Um, that was being played at different levels. So I left Scottsdale, drove to Michigan, saw the BioSteel USA, the USHL All-Star Game, went down to the Frozen Four in Pittsburgh, came back from Pittsburgh to Denver, watched some AHL hockey, uh, went from there to Kansas City for or uh, St. Louis for six days and watched uh, ACHA National Championship at the D1 level, then went from there down to Texas to see the uh, Under-18 World Junior Championships, and then went over to um, Allen, Texas, and saw ECHL hockey, and then made my way back to Arizona. So a thirty, you know, April fifth to May fifth, I pretty much covered it all. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things I saw, and I want to get your opinion on this before we let you go, is that I saw the level of hockey from I'm going to say sixteen to twenty four year olds 
really, really tighten up much more than I even anticipated. The levels seem to be um, just intensely close. Have you seen that too, where the, the caliber of play at all levels has just gone crazily upward? Yeah, I have. And you know, you, I'll give you this story because you said you're going to the World Junior Summer Showcase here coming up, and I was at that two summers ago, and it was it's one of my favorite experiences I ever went to because it was a little bit of summer hockey, so it wasn't overly structured on the defensive side. So you got to see the offensive skill that these young 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds have. And what the U.S. has done is just it, – it's incredible right now where the, the skill level is of these players, and uh, it was absolutely fun. So when you say you saw that in your 30-day – journey across the United States doesn't surprise me at all. It's the product of having done the right thing now over a period of, I'll say, 12 years, 13 years, something like that, um, that, that USA Hockey's really been pushing the ADM and, and what is the right thing at the right ages and trying to get that out there. But uh, it sure is fun to see kids that are at that age that are as skilled as they are and can do the things they can do in hockey. It's a lot of fun to see where it's going. Well, it's a lot of fun to uh, to watch uh, your your achievements too. As far as the national scene, we really appreciate you coming on tonight. I will tell you as well, we do a, an NCAA show on Tuesday night and Sunday night, and uh, at that level, uh, we really are heartbroken right now that there just aren't enough stalls because of the pandemic. As you know, the NCAA granted an extra year of eligibility, yep. and it kind of kind of condensed everything. I mean, a lot of schools kept some kids for an extra year and that bumped down some of the junior guys. So uh, we feel bad for that, but we're also uh, giving kudos to the programs that are coming along now in NCAA hockey. So um, keep up the good work at every level and, and keep pushing those USA hockey guys. And by all means, you got my email address, you got my phone number. So next time you got a camp somewhere, give me a heads up and I'll try to get there and, uh, and see you in person again. Absolutely. And with that 30-day journey you were on, I was going to tell you, you're probably a candidate for a scout for the U.S. national sled team. We'd probably put you on a plane to travel, though, rather than a car. So I think well, with that, that was... uh, yeah, you'd, you'd have some fun with it for sure. So. Uh, absolutely. Well, anytime you need me, just let me know because I'm always here. But um, the other thing I want to throw out there is Mike Peluso always jokes with me about I need to get back up there and do some fishing with him. So uh, someday, sometime, I'm going to cruise up there and, and get some fishing done. He, he tries to tease me about coming up on the wintertime he thinks that's when the real men fish <laughs> but i'm coming up there in the summertime when i get yeah. some good walleye that i can sit on a boat with <laughs> no, I, I think you're smart in saying that too actually so yeah absolutely but if you're ever up this way certainly look me up absolutely david hoff thanks so much for uh for joining us tonight thanks for catching up it, it's great stay in touch will you please absolutely thanks for having me tonight too guys Absolutely. That's David Hoff, the head coach of the uh, Team USA Paralympics and World Championships sled hockey team. We appreciate him coming on all the way from Botano, North Dakota tonight. We're going to take another quick break. Stephen and I will be right back to uh, wrap up another episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. UNLV Rebel Hockey, located in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, is proud to partner with Ice Time Hockey Southwest. As a premier ACHA Division I university, UNLV offers a unique chance to play college hockey. Experience a pro setting in Hockey Mad Las Vegas while you earn your degree in any of our over 300 majors in one of the world's destination cities. If this sounds right for you, then visit us at rebelhockey.com to get your future started today. Your hometown hockey team, your Western Collegiate Hockey League champions, your Arizona Wildcats. Tickets for Arizona hockey are now on sale. Support your Wildcats as they battle ASU for another Cactus Cup championship and more at the Tucson Arena. Your hockey team, your Arizona Wildcats. Call 791-4101 for tickets now. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment. And players are constantly having to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season, that doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories that you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick at Behind the Mask. 
We have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our Three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. You're listening to Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right. Welcome back in Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host as always, Stephen Marsh up in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. And I just love Stephen, those you, uh, I just love those rejoins there. We're getting more and more <laughs> official as we go along as we start season two. Now we've got a, a rejoin welcoming people back to the show, and uh, it's, it's great. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, we appreciate that. We're trying. We're trying to get better and better as we go. And you know my drill. Every time we have a guest on, I want to get your opinion because – I've known David for a long time. We haven't been able to stay in touch, unfortunately, and and that's kind of a bummer because he is really one of the best hockey minds uh, you'll ever meet, and he's serious when he says he drove the bus, sharpened the skates, he did it all, and yet every time that I would go up to Botno, uh, where I lived, it was probably about a uh, 60-minute drive, and sometimes in the wintertime, it was a miserable drive because it was snowing and cold and blowing and uh, everything else, but David would always make time, and You know, his success uh, with the sleds or on ice or whatever it may be um, is no no surprise to me at all. And uh, what a great guy and deserves all the uh, the accolades that he's getting right now. I know he'll step back and say, hey, it's not me. It's the guys. And everybody says that. But, you know, you're the guy in charge. You got to put you got to put the right guys in the right places to be successful. That's what a coach's job is. So just your thoughts on David Hoff and, and what we heard tonight. Yeah, first of all, you got out very easy. I thought maybe he'd give us a nice juicy uh, story that we could hold over you, but uh, he'd give you a nice, <laughs> okay, nice accolade for a, a magazine let, that you put together. <laughs> let, let me get to get, Let me tell you how difficult this was. Terry and I put this magazine together. Uh, we had two laser printers that uh, we came out with a, a color magazine, so we didn't go to a print shop. We, we put the stories up and the pictures up, and then we printed them out on a laser that came out about 40 pages, and we uh, stapled them together for ourselves and distributed them ourselves around North Dakota. Now, I know North Dakota is small, uh, but it's still a, a big state distance-wise. So it was not like we went to a printing press and put out this magazine. Now, we did it uh, just purely to uh, to show people that um, there was some great hockey being played. So I appreciate David bringing that up, but go ahead. And- and now, but now you got, but now we have the internet, we have social media, so it makes it a little bit easier. Maybe it's more difficult. I don't know to put put together uh, that sort of stuff. But anyways, uh, I, I just think it's great to be able to hear from somebody that's has been able to experience the the Olympic atmosphere, even you know that's Paralympics, but you're still in the in the site where the Olympians played and the the, the month or so before and. And uh, you get to s- you get to hear those ex- the stories. You know the the, the the opening ceremony. They still do an opening ceremony and a closing ceremony at the Paralympics, and and being able to to walk that same pathway that the Olympians do, representing your country, um, it certainly uh, puts everything into perspective. And he he shared that, so that was kind of cool. And just hearing about the differences in coaching between the regular uh, hockey and and sled hockey players and. Um, Obviously, there are some a lot of similarities in how you maybe can coach and stuff, but you know the differences with regards to defense and not being able to go, you know, backward. You know, you have you know with because you're on the sleds and and the goaltending. It's and also like we mentioned about the 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 equipment people and all the athletic trainers because it's got to be, it's a really tough job just in a regular uh, hockey, but having sled hockey, there's so many more elements to it. Obviously, with people. Different level of what their disability is, and having to manage that, and the equipments, maybe different equipments, and and having to keep all that in in shape, and so a lot of credit goes out to, to them too. So uh, it's just uh, it's really cool when you when you can get somebody like that on, and who's has this experience, and, and that certainly has the uh, the time that he's been able to spend um, with this U.S. sled hockey team, and and the other things he's done too, but. Um, it, it's it's really cool, and uh, it was cool to have him on, especially just we just had Fourth of July. You said you tried to get him on the Fourth <laughs> of July show, but he he got to had other things, which was cool. And then we got him on our show though a few days after, and and of course we have the Summer Olympics coming up too, so it all kind of just coincides. And then the Winter Olympics will be next year, of course, and and obviously the Paralympics will be right after that at the, in uh, over there in uh, I forget where it's at, but. Uh, but uh, in Tokyo, no, Tokyo's where they're at this year. I'm confused. I got to look up where all these <laughs> Olympics are. There's so many Olympics coming. Wait, oh, wait. Beijing, oh. Beijing, China. There Beijing, we go. Beijing, China. Beijing, yep. China. There we go. 
<laughs> but, okay. Uh, to- so, anyways, go ahead. Yeah, and and of course, David, like I said, is so versed in in all kinds of levels of hockey. He's involved in in the district coaching part of it for USA Hockey. So that means uh, uh, the regular skating hockey and the sled hockey. He's got his hands in all of it. And uh, I don't care what you say. When your team goes, uh, let's see, first round uh, four nothing, uh, second round eight nothing, semifinals nine nothing. In your gold medal game against Canada, 5-1, uh, you're doing something right from the coaching level. So, um, uh, like I said, kudos to him. I do want to throw this out, too, for all the Vegas and UNLV people is uh, Travis Rybczynski is the head coach at uh, Dakota College in Botano. Um, he, he is the one that had Eric Eidison and, uh, and Victor. And why am I forgetting Victor's last name? <laughs> Victor, Victor Brass. Eric. Yeah, Victor Brask. How can I forget that? Okay, uh, that's okay. Victor you you forgot that. You forgot. I forgot my uh, Olympic city. So we're, we're all. It's all. We're all. So anyway, you know. Victor Brask and Eric Eidison both played for for Travis and uh, won a junior college championship back then when there was such a thing, um, and then came down to UNLV and and were mainstays in the in the startup of the restart, I should say, of UNLV hockey and getting them to where they are today. So. Uh, that little tie-in was cool, and, and like I said, I reached out to Travis right away, and he uh, um, he uh, immediately got me in touch with David and get him. I'll, I'll tell you one quick story if you want to know something that was funny and sad at the same time. Um, Travis's team in Botano, when I was up there, was uh, planning a trip to play uh, a week-long trip out on the East Coast, and a couple of the games are going to be played at the Olympic Arena in Lake Placid, and... Um, <laughs> he he invited me to go along and I was all set to go and they had a very early morning flight out of Minot and I lived in Minot at the time and um, I got up it was very early morning I got up a little bit late but I went out and my vehicle wouldn't start as what will happen in the in the great north so by the time I finally got it started raced to the airport um, they had already checked in the plane is about running to board and Travis is on one side of the gate and I'm on the other, and he's holding my ticket, and he's going like, come on, come on. And the gate agents and security would not let me through. So I missed out on a trip of a lifetime to travel with him and his team through uh, the Northeast. And, you know, something I'll always, I'll always remember, uh, they tried so hard to get me across and get me onto that airplane. And it was such a bummer to, to drive away and realize that I wasn't going to be going to the Olympic Ice Arena at Lake Placid, which I so badly wanted to do. And um, so Travis is a really good guy, uh, they, and and David is equally as good. So glad we could have him on. Uh, it's club hockey. Uh, like you said, uh, it was a nice tie-in to have him talk about Minot State and what he knew. And like I said, he knows all about all levels of hockey. So that's a, never a problem with David Hoff. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – like I said, it was – Learned a lot tonight, and I'm I'm gonna go back and listen to this again because there's some things I missed. Uh, that's just how good it was, just to, to maybe clip some things together. But uh, it was uh, it was great to have him on, and uh, like I said, as, as we start season two of this show, it was a good way to start with appropriateness of Fourth of July and, and you know representing USA and and with the Olymp- Summer Olympics coming up this year, Winter Olympics next year, and then of course the Paralympics follow that. So um, and just what they've been able to do, and and of course. The tie-ins there with the Minot State and and certainly and, and let's so let's not forget last night we crossed over the fifteen thousand download mark, which I put out as well. Uh, that is a nice milestone to reach, and we anticipate getting bigger and better as we continue to move along. Uh, the shows are getting better, the guests are getting better, and uh, we hope that the downloads continue to grow um, like crazy because uh, we love doing it and we love uh, putting it on for you. So anything else you have to talk about, about ACHA hockey before we say goodnight? Sure. Just a couple of things uh, to mention. ASU uh, women's uh, newsletter came out. I won't mention everything that's in there. There's quite a few coming up. The couple things to note from, from their side of things is that their new, their schedule will be coming soon uh, for the 2021-22 season. Uh, but their home opener is going to be uh, against GCU on October 8th and the 9th. Um, they're also going to play an NCAA opponent. That's going to be a Division Three team, St. Catharines, on January 4th and the 5th. They will uh, play the Sun Devils, the women's Sun Devils, uh, in a two-game series at Oceanside Ice Arena. So that ought to be cool. And uh, their youth development camp is going to take place uh, later this month. At the end of the month, July 31st and August 1st at Oceanside, it's going to be coached by current ASU student athletes and coaching staff, uh, five hour, hours of ice time and more. And it's open for 
females ages 6 to 13. So uh, more information is uh, available, I think, on their website, but also in their newsletter. So there's some things coming up. There's also some other things that are coming up, but not till later on in next month, so we'll mention it then. Uh, that's on the women's uh, ASU team. Also, uh, Colorado uh, Buffaloes, the uh, Colorado Buffaloes hockey, just sc- uh, scanning their Twitter account. Looks like they've got some uh, openings. They're looking for some candidates for some internship positions. So if you're a, a student in that area and uh, or know somebody that's a student in that area and wants to be involved with them, uh, on that side of things, uh, similar to what UNLV was looking for a few uh, weeks ago when getting a content creator uh, intern, a social media intern to help with all that, social, a photographer, team manager, those sort of things. Uh, that's open. Uh, there's information on their Twitter page about that. Also, um, open tryouts coming up in August for them, but we'll mention more about that when that gets closer. And then this just came across on the wire. I was just saw on uh, social media, UNLV Hockey. You know, as you said, they're, they're always putting themselves out there. And uh, how about this? Uh, we got an announcement, in all caps, we got an announcement for you, 7-16-21, and there's a picture here with a big C on it, uh, and uh, that's all it has. So that's going to be interesting there. So on the 16th, there'll be an announcement uh, again, has it like a big C like you would see on a on a sweater? So maybe it's a captain. Maybe so like a captain announcement. Captain announcement or something else. But ah. uh, seven sixteen twenty one, there will be an announcement from uh, UNLV Rebel Hockey. And again, the, okay. The well, let me can... Go ahead. let me throw in one final thing. Um, if you're a ACHA fan, you obviously know about Lindenwood Hockey, and uh, Arizona State's uh, NCAA schedule came out uh, yesterday. And an exhibition game is scheduled for, I believe, in the middle of January where the Lindenwood Lions are coming to Arizona State to play an exhibition as they prepare to make the jump to NCAA hockey. So um, no matter where you're at, if you want to come down to to Tempe and and see that matchup, it's going to be a a real test to see where Lindenwood is as they prepare to go NCAA next season. Yeah, that's that's cool. So that's coming up too. So there's some things to look forward to coming up here in the summer, is in the off season still, or and certainly as the, we get into the season in the fall, um, with some stuff coming up, then with some things to look forward to then. So, uh, we'll just all right, keep and one, along. one more final, final thing. Final, <laughs> final thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Actually, final, final two things. You always say that that people should let us know, and and we appreciate that. So, if you have stuff going on in ACHA hockey that you think we should uh, bring up or talk about. By all means, get in touch with Stephen or myself, and and we'll do our best to make sure that we get it covered or or get a conversation about it. So uh, anywhere that you might be listening to us, if you want something on ACHA Hockey, let us know. Uh, we're very easily found on our DMs uh, on any of our uh, social media platforms. And then finally, again, I want to bring up one more time the drive to 10,000 followers on our Twitter accounts. That's all five of our Twitter accounts. Um, prizes coming when we hit 10,000. So if you want a really nice prize, and I promise you they're really nice prizes, then make sure that you get us to 10,000 um, sooner rather than later because when that happens, the very next day we're going to make some announcements. So that's uh, the incentive drive. Uh, we're going to start putting it out there everywhere that we can, and we ask for all of you listening to continue to promote us and, and get us. It, it's easy. It's a click. It's a click to follow and uh, click to, uh, to retweet. So Make sure you get it done. Stephen, take it away. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly was brought to you by Boost Mobile. Whether it's new phones for yourself or your child's first phone, go to boostmobile.com and click on deals to find the phone that's right for you. Caesars Entertainment. Wherever you're bound, there's bound to be a Caesars resort across the U.S. or worldwide. UNLV Hockey. Play ACHA D1 Hockey or in Hockey Mad Las Vegas, go to rebelhockey.com and see if the bright lights and championship mindset is for you. By OxyPal, the all-natural way to take the funk out of your sports equipment or your office at oxypal.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Be it a loaded in Vegas dish or a rack of ribs, this is barbecue, Las Vegas style. By Summer Skates, summer's here and the ice is going to need some help. Get your personalized koozies and more. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. The University of Arizona, ACHA D1 Hockey, home of the two-time defending WCHL champions. Buy M-Drive, supplements to fuel your drive. Visit mdriveformen.com and refine your prime with M-Drive. And buy Behind the Mask, in the net, 
up the ice or in line, serving the Arizona hockey community and beyond since 1994. See us at BehindTheMask.com. Club Hockey, Southwest Weekly, and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and are also available for download at Apple Podcasts, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Very well done, my friend. I will tell you that as of right now, it is a one nothing lead for Tampa Bay over Montreal in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, this game is game five, uh, 3-1 for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So a win here would give Tampa Bay the Stanley Cup tonight. Uh, and they survived the hurricane win. down there, the hurricane that <laughs> yeah. made its way towards that area. They were, didn't impact the game. They're playing uh, right now, and I think they, they avoided the, the stormer. I mean, I think the storm might have hit there, but at least they were able to get it out in time to, to play this game. So uh, by this time next week, we'll have a Stanley Cup champion. And then, of and course, we might have we'll one be... by the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we keep stretching uh, things out. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, of course, the uh, Seattle, uh, all talk will be turning to Seattle as they'll get ready for their expansion draft. But that's that's yeah, for you we, and Rob got... to talk about on the Monday show. Uh, oh, next we, week, got, so. we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. So, our thanks to David Hoff from Botano, North Dakota, the head coach of the uh, USA men's sled hockey team. Gold medalists, once again, I don't know how many, I don't know if David's got room for more gold medals, but he just keeps accumulating them with his great work with the uh, with the sled team. So congratulations and thank you to David for joining us tonight. Um, for Stephen and I, we'll say goodnight with a little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers De Niro. And uh, goodnight, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>